It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Control of Congress. Which party takes the upper hand in Congress? Special coverage on Inside Sources March to the Midterms. We are marching to the midterms, and they are heating up with many close races that will ultimately decide which party takes control of the Senate, which party takes control of the House, and what that means for President Biden's second two years in office. So we're going to take a closer look now at how the candidates in several of these very tight races are positioning themselves, what's being said, how is it being said. And as we march just 13 more days uh, to those midterm elections, uh, will it be enough to tip the scale? So let's start in Pennsylvania. Of course, there was a, a lot of hype and a lot of focus about the debate last night between John Fetterman and Dr. Mehmet Oz. And, of course, a lot of the attention was focused on uh, Mr. Fetterman's stroke and his ability to communicate. And there were some moments during the debate last night that were just flat uncomfortable and very hard. Uh, at the same time, you have to give him credit for being willing to be up on stage. There's a lot of debate amongst the uh, consulting class as to whether that was a uh, horrific idea, a horrible idea, or if it was just really a human idea uh, and humanizing John Fetterman in terms of where he is in that process. So interesting, during the debate last night, John Fetterman uh, gave a rebuttal to accusations that he has been soft on crime, a big issue. I believe that I run on my record on crime. You know, I ran to be mayor back in 2005 in order to fight gun violence, and that's exactly what I did. In working with the police and working with our community, I was, say, I was able to stop gun violence for five and a half years as mayor. You know, all he's done is just put a plan up on his website in the last 24 hours. He has no experience. He has never made any attempt to try to address crime during his entire career, except showing up for photo ops here in Philadelphia. Now, I thought that was a very good rebuttal uh, from John Fetterman, probably his strongest of the entire night in terms of being able to come back with something uh, in a rebuttal situation there on crime. Interesting, Dr. Oz gave his answer on what he would do, that he would vote for gun safety legislation recently passed in Congress and championed by Pennsylvania Senator Pat Toomey, who is retiring. There are parts of that bill that I like a lot. For example, I like the fact that there are background checks that are being strengthened now so we can make sure that people who should not have guns don't get guns. I also like the fact that there was a lot of money invested for mental health, uh, which is an important part of the equation. I've been to Philadelphia. I've done prayer vigils with black clergy leaders who are desperately trying to save the people in their community. Half the murders in Philadelphia are committed by people under 18. We have got to get mental health services to these people, and it's not happening now. But part of the problem is that we have taken away the ability of police to do their job, and that's on John Fetterman. Now, that was an interesting exchange on policy, which has become a rarity in so many of the debates these days. 
And so I applaud that from both sides, that they did get to some of those, uh, not nearly as much as I would like to see in a debate, but they at least got to some when it relates to issues like guns and crime. Uh, This is a race that went from John Fetterman uh, having a very comfortable lead, double-digit lead, and now it looks like a Dr. Oz uh, has about a two- to three-point lead uh, rolling down these last 13 days. So that's one of those that, for the Republicans, very critical because that is a Republican seat currently uh, held by Pat Toomey. And so that's one that they would have to hold if they were hoping to take uh, control of the Senate. Now, one of the interesting races very close to home is just – Below us, down in the state of Arizona, Blake Masters, of course, is challenging the incumbent, Democrat Mark Kelly. And this is another race that many had written off even just a month or so ago. Uh, Republicans pulled out all kinds of advertising money uh, because it appeared that Mark Kelly was running away with the race. Uh, In the last week or so, things have really tightened. And it actually, if you take an average of all of the polls... Uh, Masters actually has just a, a very, very, very slight lead. Some are projecting that uh, uh, he would actually win, that Masters would actually take this race. So let's listen to two pieces uh, from these two candidates. Blake Masters, again, challenging. Uh, he took a big focus, rightly so, on securing the border. Well, call me old-fashioned, but I think the correct amount of illegal immigration is zero. That's what federal law says. The problem is that Joe Biden and Mark Kelly are willfully ignoring federal law. They've surrendered our southern border. They've given it up to the Mexican drug cartels. We had operational control two years ago, and now it's just a complete disaster. They incentivize people to break the law. Illegal aliens, when they come here, they're supposed to be caught and deported back to their home country or back to some other country that wants them. But no, Joe Biden and Mark Kelly, they laid out the welcome mat. Mark Kelly gave his answer to the question on whether he had done enough in his time in the Senate regarding immigration concerns. You know, when I got to uh, Washington, D.C., one of the first things I realized was that Democrats don't understand this issue. And Republicans just want to talk about it and complain about it, but actually not do anything about it. They just want to politicize that. We heard this tonight from my opponent, Blake Masters. You know, he thinks he knows better than everyone about everything. When it comes to border security, You know, I've been focused on this. And on immigration, yes, we need comprehensive immigration reform. So no specifics out of either of those candidates. But again, this is a very important issue in the state of Arizona, immigration and illegal immigration in particular. Uh, And both sides are maybe more interested in using it as a political wedge than actually solving the policy problem. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor... You'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen. Uh, So we'll keep our eye on that one again. uh, Masters has a very, very slight lead 
there. And then also right here close to home. Uh, very interesting that these races are going to really help shape what the United States Senate looks like. And that is in Nevada. This is another one where uh, Adam Laxalt, the Republican, was running quite a ways behind the incumbent Democrat, uh, Catherine Cortez Masto. Uh, and so we're looking at some of the things happening there. Uh, Laxalt seems to have captured the momentum after Labor Day. Uh, he uh, talked at a town hall recently uh, to talk about his platform uh, when asked what made him uh, the conservative uh, that he is. Here's his response. People move to Las Vegas because they believe in the American dream. This is still an oasis here. You can come out west, you can work hard, and you can actually move into the middle class and grow, raise and grow a family. They're killing our schools. They shut them down during COVID. We have rise in crime. We have open borders, which, of course, Senator Masto says there's no such thing as an open border. And this is allowed. Fentanyl overdoses, human trafficking spikes, all these things are combining with the high gas prices, the inflation, the job market. The American dream is disappearing in Las Vegas. That's why you're seeing people ready to raise up and tell people like Senator Masto they don't represent them anymore. Senator Masto, of course, uh, is the first Latina to serve in the United States Senate, and she has been taking her message over the last few days, a real pivot to focus on Latino voters, uh, Latino voters during her uh, recent campaign event. And, of course, the Latino vote will be very significant and maybe even the deciding demographic in this race. They are an integral part of our community, not just because they pay taxes, they're in the economy, but they bring this rich culture uh, and history and art and food. And I'm very proud of it. And that's why, for me, this is I'm ensuring that we are taking care of these families. You can't take anything for granted in Nevada. It's still small enough where people want to see you and talk to you. They want to know that you're on their side. So this is another one where the momentum has clearly shifted. Adam Laxalt now has a little bit of a lead uh, in this race. And we're also going to continue to follow races in places like Wisconsin and Ohio and Georgia, of course, that are all still running neck and neck as well. And uh, very interesting, the ebbs and flows between who has momentum, the Democrats or the Republicans, the Republicans or the Democrats, uh, who are they talking to? And most important, how are they talking to those voters, especially those that fall between the center left and the center right. Uh, I think there are many of them that may not show up this time around uh, because they're exhausted by the entire process. We're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to go back to the leak at the Supreme Court, the impact, and how is it really deciding things now that the court is back in session? We'll listen to some words from uh, one of the Supreme Court justices coming up next. Stick around. More to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor, 
Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.